You're listening to Language Nerds Do Earth, the podcast about linguistics, culture, travel, and how they're all connected. Now, it's time for your language nerd hosts. One in China, one in Spain, it's Patrice and Rachel. Hello everyone out there, I'm Patrice. And I'm Rachel. And welcome to Language Nerds to Earth. This is episode number 22. Yeah, and this week we've got a really, I think, intriguing episode about Mm -hmm. swearing. Ooh, so taboo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're going to talk about the different kinds of swearing, why we swear, and how swearing is perceived around the world. And then we'll talk about some of the world's most fun insults. And then we have a wonderful Lost in Translation moment from Emily in Arkansas. Yeah, but first we've got some language news. Language news! (laughs) Do you think we should make that like our new language news jingle? Just like me singing. (laughs) Yeah, just like language news! Or it could be like, you know, like a language news. Yeah, there you go. So, language news. Can your language slow down time? Yeah, so I think this title is intriguing, obviously. But also, they kind of refute their own point. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've read a lot of different opinions on this in the past as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think there are two very different camps on this, and really nobody knows. But it's fun to think about anyway. People who speak Mandarin as a native tongue kind of think of time vertically. Oh, yeah. Whereas English speakers think about it horizontally. So that was really interesting to me. I cannot conceptualize time going up and down. Yeah, that's true. Can you? Mm, Maybe if I think about, like, lineage or something like that, then it's more vertical. Yes, that's a good way to put it. And maybe because in... I mean, this is just me spitballing, but maybe because Chinese culture has such a huge focus on ancestry, they think more about, like, in terms of family trees. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, so basically the idea is that languages with a strong future tense Mm -hmm. from the present can cause speakers to plan less, to save less, and even to care less for the environment. Yeah, so for example, in English, the future is often separated from the present. For example... You say, I will do this in the future. We do have a tense in which we say, I am doing this tomorrow, for example. Mm -hmm. But that is usually a planned event, if I remember correctly from my advanced ESL teaching days. Yeah. There's also, I will do this. It's usually a spontaneous thing. Like, oh, I'll close the window. I'll close the door. I'll pay you back tomorrow. Do you remember, have you taught that too? Yeah, so it's like um, something that is happening in the immediate future sometimes. Mm-hmm. With the future. Yeah. But yeah, you can say something like, I have an appointment this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is the future, but in the present tense. Right, so we don't actually talk about as much what will happen in the future, I think. Mm-hmm. But when we do, it, the future 
is used in a different tense. Whereas this article talks about Mandarin does not have separate tenses for past, present, and future. Also, German doesn't use their future tense very often. They pretty much always use present tense mm-hmm. when speaking about the future. They have a future tense, but it's usually used for written language. Mm-hmm. And then Spanish, do you use the future tense as, as much? Yeah, so they mentioned that a lot of the Latin languages, Spanish, French, Italian, had strong definitions of the future. Mm. So, Well, actually, that kind of brings us back to episode 20 when we were talking about cultural values and we had one that was long-term orientation and we learned that some cultures put a higher value in thinking about the future and the past and some put a lower value on it and things like, for example, Germany put a really high cultural value on the future. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also Mandarin, or Chinese did as well. I think so. So the article goes on to talk about this theory that languages with a strong differentiation between the past, the present, the future tend to think less about those times, Mm -hmm. but then also refuting that that is true. Right. Right, so like... There was a reanalysis of the original study in 2015, and it found that once they took into account the family of the language, so let's say it's a Latin language or a Romance language, the correlation was no longer statistically significant. Mm. Yeah. So the answer to whether or not language slows down time or can change our perception of time is really, we don't know. Yeah. It's like, maybe. Yeah. Depends on how you look at it, maybe. Right. Depends on what evidence you use. And I think the name of the article made it sound like, ooh, do people who speak different languages watch a butterfly's wings flap better than (laughs) other people who speak different languages. But that's not really what it was doing. I think the end result is that it might be more culture-related than language-related, but the two really influence each other. So uh, what came first, the language or the culture, the chicken or the egg, it doesn't matter (laughs) in the end. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it's an interesting article, and Mm -hmm. we'll link that up in the show notes so you can check it out yourself. Yeah, you be the judge. If you have hard evidence to sway us one way or the other, then I would love to hear it. Mm -hmm. We would love to hear it. So, but let's get on to the meat of the episode, which is very exciting. Swearing. Curse words. Yeah, four-letter words. Well. Yeah. And others. (laughs) And others. (laughs) So, Actually, did I tell you I did a research paper on this in college? No. I had a linguistic anthropology class, which, while it wasn't my major, it should have been, probably, because that was, like, what I was most interested in. But I had a project with a partner, and we studied the perception of curse words mm-hmm. in English among different populations. And so we, like, had people 
rank how offensive different words were. And one, I don't remember very much about our study. It was, uh, it was about eight years ago, but I do remember that the most offensive word was the C word, which I think is not very surprising, but it was the most offensive word among every population except for Christian women under the age of 20. And our, I think our theory was that they might not have been exposed to the word very much. Mm, okay. But it was super interesting. It was really fun. It was all Americans? Uh, I don't remember. It was in, it was done in the US. Right. So, but that would, that would definitely influence it, wouldn't it? Yeah, because we'll get into that a little bit later, but the mm-hmm. use of some swear words in other English speaking countries is, perceived as different yeah yeah so there are five different ways of swearing so first we have descriptively so that's when a curse word takes the place of a noun verb or adjective so for example we have one word in english the f word that can be used for all three of them can it all five of them no yeah really all five all five different ways of swearing you're Mm -hmm. right so we have the five different ways of swearing are descriptively, idiomatically, abusively, emphatically, and cathartically. So Rachel just described descriptively. Then we have idiomatically. So that would be when you would use a curse word in a cultural expression. I wonder if we have an example of that. I There was one article that had an example of all of them. Oh, okay. oh, here it is, here it is. I found it. Okay, so descriptively, what would be an example? Let's fuck. Okay, that's a verb. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Idiomatically, it's mm-hmm. fucked up. Mm, okay. Abusively, when you hurl an expletive at someone, that uh-huh. one's easy. Fuck you. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emphatically, when you are trying to make a point... Underscore point. This is fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I use that a lot. Like, <laughs> I'm so fucking surprised, or right. as an adjective. I it's guess. really fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then the last one. Cathartically. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> when you stub your toe or you get a parking ticket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck or sh. Mm-hmm. So, why do we swear? Any ideas? Mm. So, actually, swearing is in a different part of our brain from regular language, right? Yeah. And swearing also increases pain tolerance? Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing to me. So, what else have you got? So, that's a big part of it, I think. So, And that'll go with the cathartic part. Oh, yeah, that's true. But otherwise... It's a way of kind of subverting whatever power structure that you're in. So in every culture, you have different taboo things. They're not all the same. And I read that, for example, in the medieval time period, the swear words that we use today would have been just everyday language. But Mm. the swear words that they had at the time were much more related to the church because that was very blasphemous to mm-hmm. take the Lord's name in vain or to talk about the church in a derogatory swearing way. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So things like, oh my God, mm-hmm. would be much bigger of a deal. Yeah, definitely. 
or damn you to hell or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking like, it's so not a big deal. Damn you to hell. Now, if I- <laughs> yeah. It's, so that kind of goes along with the idea that the strength of a taboo changes over time. Mm-hmm. So the word damn, mm-hmm. for example, was once perceived as much stronger than it is today. Okay. Today, I think it's sort of up in the air, whether it's a curse word or not. Mm-hmm. Would you consider it one? Damn. I would consider it a very, very mild curse word. Like, it might even be allowed on cable. Yeah, I think it definitely would be. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, my grandfather said the word damn around me, and my mom was like, no! <laughs> but uh, now I, if somebody said damn around me, I wouldn't be like, wow, that's really strong language, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it used to be much stronger. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is as taboos change, curse words change, and the strength of the curse words we use changes. Right, exactly. Society evolves, and so do the curse words. Well, that's a really great lead-in, actually, to this summary that we have of different continents and how different kinds of curse words are perceived among different areas of the globe, which is super cool to learn about. So starting in Africa, we have cursing someone is much less common in Ghana, for example. But when it does happen, if you call someone wicked or foolish, that's much more offensive than saying shit, for example. Yeah, that was interesting. It kind of shows the priorities or the the taboos, I guess, of a country, of a culture. Right. So if I call you stupid, Rachel, which I wouldn't, <laughs> then if we were in Ghana, that might be like the ultimate insult. Whereas yeah. in our American culture where we grew up, it would be kind of like, oh, yeah, well, you're stupid. <laughs> Got him, you know. <laughs> right. It's big deal. not that big of a deal. Right. But what I read about shit, actually, shit, or in French, merde, or in Spanish, mierda, and German, mm-hmm. scheiße, mm-hmm. it's all because there was, like, a focus on cleanliness and hygiene, and so those things were seen as very taboo, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it happened somehow with, like, a, I don't want to say a cleanliness revolution, but something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. As the world got more hygienic, it became more taboo to be around excrement, maybe? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, actually, I was just in Boston uh, last week, and I remember learning about how it was so much more common to be around feces as a part of daily life. So, for example, this would have been during the revolutionary times, so, like, 1700s in present-day U.S., People who were in the stocks in Boston Commons, people didn't usually throw, like, uh, rotten tomatoes or eggs at them. They would throw what would be available. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, the Commons was, like, a place for everybody to use, including people who had cows. So what's available to throw at people who were in the stocks in the Commons? Cow (laughs) sh**. Mm-hmm. So I'm not nasty. sure how relevant that is. <laughs> but yeah, so people were much closer to 
feces at the time. Well, definitely, definitely. And I know, like, for example, in Charleston, I'm sure other places as well, but I've just heard this in Charleston, like, Mm -hmm. men were supposed to walk on the inside of the sidewalk and women on the outside because people would just throw their chamber pots out the window. Nice, yeah. (laughs) It's more gentlemanly to, like, have shit land on you than on your lady friend. (laughs) (laughs) They really take one for the team there, (laughs) taking that to a whole new meaning. (laughs) So the other thing we have on Africa is that obscenity laws tend to be stricter in Africa. So in some conservative circles, modern music and homosexuality are often looped into the fray and actively persecuted. Modern music also? That's kind of that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. But then I guess you think of like some rap has a lot of obscenity. Yeah, that's obscenities. True. Yeah. But obscenity well, every genre is, really, but <laughs> Yeah. But especially music that's quote unquote pushing the limits of society is often full of language that society doesn't necessarily consider acceptable and a lot of times that's rap or r&b exactly and it doesn't have to be necessarily like curse words but Mm -hmm. things that are considered vulgar or i don't know pushing the boundaries of of society yeah like what's acceptable and what you can do and yeah talk about well let's go to asia next yeah so in bikol is that how you say it (laughs) I got nothing. I don't know what that oh. is. <laughs> I'm sorry, Asia. I don't know. <laughs> it's a Philippine language. Oh, okay. Cool. I'm just going to go for okay. it. In Bicol, which is a language in the Philippines, your mom insults are not as damaging as they would be in, like, for example, Arabic. Mm-hmm. But Burai ni Nanya, which means mother's vagina is used just casually for, like, when something goes wrong. It's like, oh, crap, like, mother's vagina. Like. Mm, okay. So yeah. it's not that offensive. Which would just be a weird thing to say in the West. Right. Well, in Spanish they say that. Oh, okay. So in English it would be a weird thing to say. de tu madre. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a very common one. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think it's a little stronger than just, like, oh, crap, like. Mm, yeah. And then in Mandarin, if you really want to drive it home to someone, you could curse their ancestors to the 18th generation. Yeah. <laughs> These types of insults are more commonplace in societies that favor big extended families versus nuclear families. That makes so much sense. Yeah, that totally yeah. makes sense. And it kind of goes back to our language news a little bit about how Chinese culture thinks longer term mm-hmm. than Western culture. Yeah. So if you curse somebody's grandparents, I mean, that's a big deal. But if you curse going back 18 generations, I don't even know how many years that is. It's like... I don't know. It's like almost a thousand years or something, probably. Yeah, it's centuries. And I wouldn't think twice if somebody was like, curse all of your ancestors. <laughs> I'd be like, be like, okay, um, <laughs> yeah. What's it's a strange insult in English. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely shows you like how vastly different these value systems are. Yeah, let's see what else in Japan. They don't tend to curse as mm-hmm. much, but similar to Ghana, calling someone an idiot is quite offensive. Yeah, 
That makes sense because societal pressures to succeed are so strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another thing we talked about in the values episode was about how in Japan it's a very masculine society, so there's so much competition. Yeah. So in Europe, we have a few different things. In Slavic countries, the word for whore is prominent, but that's a trait that's shared by Poland, Spain, Italy, and France. So, yeah. Puta madre. Puta is poor, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. I wonder what that has to do with, like, in the history of these places. Yeah. I think the other article talks a little bit more about it, like why we use certain genres of curse words, like whore, mm. or why we like different things. It could have something to do with masculine societies, societies that really put a high value on men. They might even have masculine languages, for example, genders in the language that value men. Yeah, I read something about the wives place is subverted mm-hmm. by whores oh that's and interesting something like that so also in europe in denmark there isn't as much cursing but they also don't care that much about it mm-hmm. so they won't be that easily offended by it mm-hmm. well i would imagine that for example in the netherlands uh, which is also in northern Europe. Weed and prostitution are illegal, so I would imagine there aren't very many taboos. Cool. And what else do we have for that one? And also in Finland, your mom insults don't necessarily register as much for female genitalia or the devil. Yeah. Apparently the C word in Finland is quite strong. Huh. Yeah. Stronger than your mom. Is that what we're saying? Right, right, right. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense because I think Finnish culture would be more nuclear Mm -hmm. than, say, Chinese, which is more extended family. Yeah. You know? Well, and I tend to think of more Latin cultures as more focused on the mother of the family. Mm -hmm. Having more insults dealing with that. Yeah. Apparently in Arabic as well. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, In Germany, attitudes towards sex and nudity are pretty relaxed, so sexual curse words don't get used as much there. So the result is that there are more cringe-worthy curse words. For example, you might hear a lot of casual poop slang, like kaka and scheisse, which are considered as, like, harmless, like, darn it. When I'm speaking German, I say scheisse all the time. <laughs> really? But kaka is, like, crap. Yeah, exactly. Poop. So Australia is okay. an interesting one. Yeah. They actually recently ruled that the F word is now part of everyday vernacular in the court of law yeah that's hilarious australians have a reputation of being very vulgar very yeah using a lot of swear words yeah actually they use swear words more than any other english-speaking country definitely but actually i remember learning that spain is really is considered really vulgar to latin american yeah countries yeah that's right so maybe spain is the australia of the spanish-speaking world (laughs) yeah that might be the article said that australians tend to use swear words descriptively instead of abusively Mm. so a lot of the ones that we've talked about are insults to somebody but they tend to use it more like 
just colorful language. Oh, well, there's a really cool explanation here. It says, it's possible that Australians are not an angry bunch compared to the rest of the world. Yeah. That's so funny. So they're just so laid back. Swearing is just like another part of their day. It's just colorful. Yeah. That's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Adding vocabulary or... Just emphatic. Yeah. Makes me want to go to Australia. I know. See how laid back they are. I yeah. really want to go to Australia. Um, so North America... As of November 2017, the Canadian Broadcasting Standards Council ruled that the F-word is now part of the common French spoken language. Huh. So, apparently, you can watch TV in French, and the f**ks just go anywhere. <laughs> but it's still <laughs> banned from French. English language bro- broadcasts, which is funny. Huh. That is a little confusing, I bet. I read something about in France also they use the word fuck very, very freely. Mm-hmm. And there's even a TV show called What the Fuck, maybe. Oh, really? That's pretty cool. Yeah, really odd. <laughs> in Jamaica, patois, the cloths that you use to clean your butt is considered a very vulgar curse word. Okay. <laughs> patois. Is that is that it? Patois? I think. I mean... That's so funny. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of similar to cultures where you don't, like, do anything with your left hand because that's what you use to clean your butt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true. Hmm. In the United States, the rules are different for late-night programs mm-hmm. for language. So that means that we're more concerned about protecting children from this kind of language than we're worried about people being offended by it. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, almost every adult I know uses that kind of language. Yeah, and there are so many euphemisms in English as well. Mm-hmm. And apparently the profanity on primetime TV increased by almost 70% between 2005 and 2010. In the United States. Oh, okay. I believe that, too. Just a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like in the 90s, what I remember from the 90s, which isn't much, I was 12 in the new millennium, but I feel like I was much more shielded from cursing. And then I got older, so it's kind of hard to know, but I just feel like there's a greater prevalence. What do you think? Yeah, when I watch like old episodes of Friends or something... Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a good point. They had to be a lot more careful and like word things differently. Whereas now, I think you could just go ahead and say say the word. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and apparently in Puerto Rico, cursing is like a privilege that you get with age. So kids really aren't allowed to curse out of respect, hmm. but the elderly people curse like sailors. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, so apparently it's delineated by age or something. Yeah. So, okay, South America. So this is one of the interesting continents, I think, because in most of the countries, the language spoken is Spanish. But words that are, like, commonplace in most countries might be vulgar in another. Right. So, for example, pichar means to ignore or to forget in Puerto Rico. And to pay for something or someone in Mexico. But in Colombia, it means to fuck. That's amazing to me that these words have such different meanings. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Or concha, for example. In Argentina and Colombia, it means women's area. The front butt, 
Yeah, the front butt. <laughs> I love that word. But in most of the other Spanish-speaking countries, it just means shell. Mm, yeah, you got to be really careful with Spanish. Mm-hmm. And... It talks about body language, but... Yeah. Go to episode six if you want to learn about offensive body language all over the world. Yeah. And apparently in Argentina, everyone curses. It says old women, teachers, anyone. I feel like that's the same as Spain, though. Like, everybody in Spain is like, joder. Yeah, even children, like. Yeah. It's true. It's funny. Cool. Cool. I like that article a lot. So we'll post that in the show notes if you want to go get more details on Mm -hmm. it. So let's talk a little bit about different categories of swearing and things that we see over and over again in different languages. Yeah. For example... Words for genitalia are the most common words that you see for strong language. Right. However, the female one is usually the more restricted one Hmm. or the more forbidden one. Like in English, you can call someone a dick more readily than you would call someone the C word. I wonder if that has to do with our patriarchal society and if it would be different in a matriarchal society. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's really what it says. It's like penises are keys to power, vaginas are to be mm-hmm. kept locked shut except to the man with the right key. Mm, yeah. Also, sex is another topic, right? Mm-hmm. Of So there's words for genitalia, and then in another category, we have words for sex. And sex is the angry, offensive part of your mind. It's dominating. Words like the F word are found in a lot of different languages. Right. So it's linked to male aggression. Yeah. It says it's a dominating act, something performed upon a weaker recipient. Mm -hmm. So that's why you can say, like, F you or F this situation or something like that so it's very aggressive yeah and i read something really interesting i did not know this before but like the origin of fuck yeah is like fornication under consent of the king (gasps) really yes is that real i think so wow let me google it real quick but I think I have heard that before, but I kind of like the word tips. I was skeptical of it Mm. just because in episode 16, I believe it was, we talked about the evolution of the English language Mm -hmm. and we talked a little bit about, I heard something when I was a teenager that I could not find an article to back up about how English curse words come from when the English were slaves to the Normans in present-day UK. Mm -hmm. And so the English words for f***, shit, whatever, those are, like, more English-sounding as opposed to the formal words for them, fornication, defecation, right, whatever. So the more formal words come from the French usage, but... Again, I couldn't find anything that talked about that. I have no idea where my history teacher learned it in high school, but if anybody can find that, that'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I just found it, and it's under false etymologies, so. Ah, okay. There we go. All right, well. Anyway. Anyway. Um, (laughs) Check your sources, people. (laughs) It's okay. Okay, so we have 
genitalia. We have sex. Taking it a step further, sexual acts on somebody's mother. Mm-hmm. So this is especially common in Latin languages, not as much with French, but also Slavic, Balkan, Arabic, and Chinese. I haven't learned them in Chinese yet. <laughs> <laughs> something to work up to. Yeah, something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so obviously that's a lot more degrading, and it, I'm sure, depends on the values, again, of the society. Definitely. Is it a country that values highly familial ties and their mothers, I guess? <laughs> yeah. Do you value your mother? <laughs> I feel like in English, yeah, there are a lot of your mama jokes, but not really your mama insults as much as there are in Spanish, for example. Right, not as much as there are in other languages, but I think that they still happen in English, mm-hmm. but maybe it's just not the go-to. Right. Although there is, you would call somebody motherfucker. Mm-hmm. That's true. Which is like a degrading word for someone who does sexual acts on, I guess, somebody's mother? On somebody's mother, right. Not necessarily my mother or your mother. Mm Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's also used cathartically for the most part. In my experience hearing the word, it's not usually used insultingly. Rather, ah, motherfucker, like I stubbed my toe, you know? Yeah, I think that's probably an evolution, though, you know? Yeah, that's true. Like, not the original usage. Good point. You're a motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I love that word, actually. <laughs> it is. It all the time. Actually, that's another thing that I learned when I was doing that paper on curse words, was there's something about the word fuck that is so cathartic because of the fricatives in it. So fricatives are harsh consonant sounds. And I mean, there are so many fricatives in English, so it's hard to say that we choose words with fricatives to be curse words just because they're in so many words. Fricatives are, I think, like anything that has air coming through it, but would be plosives. I don't remember the other ones, but... So I think it was a combination of the fricative and the plosive in the word fuck yeah. that made it like such a strong curse word. Mm-hmm. Cleanliness-focused words. So we talked about this a little bit. Merd, scheiße, things you use to clean your butt that's insulting somebody. Do we know where these are used more often? Or In British, French, German, circle, shit, mad, and scheiße are bad words Thanks to cleanliness-focused social controls. Mm -hmm. It says in Sweden you might say skit when you're annoyed, but you can say it in front of your grandmother. Okay. Are there any more groups that we have? Prostitutes. Ah, yes, prostitutes. Kind of goes with sex. Kind of, but it's its own little genre. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. In French, they had so many words for it. It was like four, four or five words they had for prostitute. So they defy a wife's exclusivity, and that's why... Words like whore are strong language in a lot of parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And some languages, like in Luganda, which is an African language spoken in Uganda, they don't use words for genitalia because whores use them. Hmm. And I think them, they mean genitalia. Oh my god. Nobody else has genitalia in Uganda, maybe. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. 
I wasn't too clear on that, but that's what I think. Mm -hmm. Okay, so another category of cursing is blasphemy. Words for Satan, the devil, and hell. Apparently that's very common in Finnish, Swedish, Norwegian, and Danish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's also common in Italian, so that's the worst kind of cursing in Italian, because it's blasphemous. It's against the church, which, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, Italians are very religious, Mm -hmm. so that does make sense you got the vatican mm-hmm. don't want to make them mad yeah like we said in english it seems like the word damn is really losing its effectiveness hell too you know yeah yeah what the hell right i feel like if you say what the hell nobody will bat an eyelash yeah you could say that in front of your kids probably mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't say what the f- in front of your kids right 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 that's something that i have to remember going back to teaching first grade next week <laughs> not allowed to say what the f- in front of the kids even if they don't speak english <laughs> yeah i have to remember that going back to the united states because yeah. here i just curse freely right right anywhere that i am because Pretty much almost none of the time are there English-speaking kids around. Yeah, definitely. So I can't really just, like, go through the grocery store saying, like, oh, f***. (laughs) (laughs) I talk a lot with friends about how being an expat has less societal pressure than, like, living in the U.S., and I think that's one of the reasons, like, you'd kind of say whatever you want, (laughs) wherever you are. Yeah. But So in Quebec, apparently they use a lot of church words for swearing. Hmm. So, osti, which is a consecrated communion wafer, tabernacle, where you store it, and cibois, what you carry it with, and calice, I guess, the chalice of wine. That makes sense. So, that's a lot more common, it sounds like, in Quebec. Like, that's not how they curse in France. Uh, huh. Which is funny. Actually, in Spain, they also say hostia. Yeah. All, all the time. All the live long day. Right. Which is the communion wafer. Okay, the communion wafer. Well, mm-hmm. when I was in Barcelona, people always said ostras. Oh, yeah. Which means oysters. And I guess that was like their euphemism for hostia. Exactly, yeah. Uh, okay, that's funny. It's like when people say jolín instead of joder. Ah, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> joder, by the way, is in yeah. Spanish. So that's pretty interesting, I think, like yeah. how that kind of stayed. So when the French went to Canada in the 17th, 18th century, mm-hmm. it was a lot more religious in that time and that kind of stuck more than it did in France. Yeah. I've also learned actually that because they came in the 17th century, they kind of maintained the French of that time. And so people from France who go to Quebec listen to the French and they're like, oh, it's so quaint and old fashioned. Yeah. Because it's more true to older French. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So finally, we have swears involving disease. So in Polish and in Thai, they might wish cholera upon you. (laughs) And in Dutch... They talk about cancer. Yeah, that's pretty harsh. (laughs) I feel like that wouldn't go over well anywhere. (laughs) That's a rough one. I mean... Yeah, I hope you get cancer. I hope you get cholera. That's really... That's hard. Yeah, or like uh, cancer sufferer, I think, is one in in Dutch as well. Wow. So that that is harsh. Finally, we have a list of really just 
terrible things to say to people and bizarre things to say to people as well. Yeah. In different languages. I think this is maybe my favorite part of this <laughs> program today. The first one we have, it's a Spanish phrase. Me cago en la leche. I shit in the milk. There are variations on this. I shit on the communion host. I shit in the whore that gave birth to you. In the whore, specifically. Mm -hmm. like that is. And then number four, I shit in the communion host of your whore of a mother. I mean, damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a really common one. I mean, me cago. Really? Me cago. You hear that? Not the, maybe not the me cago en la leche de tu puta madre. I might have heard that, but... <laughs> Definitely me cago en leche. All, all the time. Really? Me cago en todo. There's a guy who walks his dog that I've heard say a lot of times to his dog, me cago en tu puta vida. Aww, that's so sad. It is pretty sad. I'm like, okay, he's kind of scary. but <laughs> Hopefully he's only verbally abusive to the dog who probably doesn't understand that anyway. Yeah, my dog's kind of scared of that guy though. Oh. But anyway, yeah, that's a really common phrase. <laughs> Wow. All right. That's really funny and kind of violent. Yeah. All right. The next one. So in Thai, your father die. So this is apparently similar to the mom insults. Your mother is also in Thai, a really common slang word that's kind of like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. And your mother, your mother and your father is the same. Huh. Your, your father, father die, die is very common also. And apparently calling someone by their parents' names, uh, especially nicknames, is like the epitome of insulting. And so apparently <laughs> a lot of Thais try to keep their parents' names a secret. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Odd, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that in Thai, like, everybody has a nickname. Yeah. And everybody knows everybody else's nickname. Okay. Like, nobody ever calls each other by their real names, from what I understand. Oh, really? In Thai culture, oh. yeah. Like, you don't know anybody's real name, you just know their nickname. Which is why I imagine oh. it would be very difficult to keep that a secret. Yeah. So, hmm. That's funny. Interesting. All right, for Irish, this one is definitely my favorite. It's my favorite. Far. Oh, my God, it's, it's amazing. so good. <laughs> All right. I, I, it's, I'm going to try to say it with a straight face. May the cat eat you and may the devil eat the cat. <laughs> Another one is, may your friends have a fine day burying you. <laughs> and the last one is, may the devil make a ladder of your backbones while picking apples in the garden of hell. I mean, that one is amazing. It's, they're so, like, really elegant, but <laughs> elaborate little curses. Yeah, yeah. I really like how much thought was put into it. Yeah. These are basically old-fashioned hexes. Yeah. Like a hex upon you. They go way, way more creative than that. Yeah, and just to clarify that these are... Not in English. Those were the translations. It's mm -hmm. actually in Irish. Yeah, you want to give it a go? Because I will not. Oh, no. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I was just mm. clarifying because in Ireland they speak a lot of English as right. well. But Yeah. I wonder <laughs> if that's when people are mad at each other. They'll just, like, bring out the Irish. May the cat eat you and may the devil eat the cat. <laughs> Etc. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. 
May the devil make a ladder of your backbones while picking apples in the garden of hell. Yeah. What an image. <laughs> okay. All right. So German, a lot of German curses are about pigs and animals. Mm-hmm. So you could have your mother suckles pigs. You pig. Ape dick. You are a chicken that got fucked in the ass. <laughs> wow. That's funny that they're uh, about animals. Yeah. And the last one's quite violent. Yeah, that is really violent. Poor chicken. Yeah. Have you heard that before? No, I have not heard that, but I definitely have heard du Schwein yeah. and Affenschwanz. So you pig and ape dick. Okay. Just insulting people's body parts. I remember when I was studying in Germany, I heard a teenage boy my age at the time insult his mother. And he said, du blöde Kuh, which means you stupid cow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she cried. She was really, really, she like left the room and she was so upset. So, yeah, calling people animal names, big no-no. Yeah. Next one, we have French, whore of a whore. So we've got very sexually liberal citizens in France, and so swear words are... Actually, that's interesting because I would think that since people are more sexually liberal, there might be less taboo around um, swear words, but apparently in French... Maybe it's like a fine line. Maybe, yeah. So the first one is whorehouse, used to describe a mess, or as a general swear word, like shit in English. Whore, there are several different words here. Basically, there are so many different ways to say it in French. You can also combine them and say whore of a whore. <laughs> like, putain yeah. du salop. And then the last one is go make yourself ejaculate. Oh my god. Which is, yeah, basically saying, like, fuck off. I mean, which is kind of like the same thing, right? Yeah. It's just, the translation just doesn't work in English. It just sounds funny. But it's basically the same, I mean. Right, that's a good point. Fuck off. Yeah. All right, last one. Okay, so Chinese. We've already heard that fuck your ancestors to the 18th generation. Mm Mm-hmm. They also like to insult mothers. Fuck your mother. (laughs) So number three, we have turtle egg, which is a strong insult that attacks the offspring of a woman without virtue. Like bastard, basically. Okay. Yeah. So turtle egg is the name for a love child. <laughs> and the last one is cow vagina, which means f***ing awesome. Which is funny because I actually have also learned that niu ren, which is cow person, is like an awesome person. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, cow vagina means f***ing awesome and literally is translated as cow c***t. It's common to hear young men saying ni hun yo, which means you are very cow, but it translates into you're f***ing awesome. That's the symbol for hun, which means very. So I don't know why they have f***ing maybe combined with cow. Maybe it becomes f***ing. Yeah, because it says that those characters together mean something like awesome okay literally it's you are very cow but yeah (laughs) right cool i love it when i like i've got maybe 200 characters under my belt now and when i see a line of chinese characters i'll be able to pick out a few that i understand Uh but like this one ni hun yo is like i got it i got one (laughs) yay (laughs) Anyway. Cool. Yeah. So there's a little overview of 
swearing around the world and Mm -hmm. the way that we use them. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any kind of addition to swearing around the world, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email or a voicemail or really anywhere. We'll be there. We'll see it. That's all we do all day. We just sit in front of our computers like, is somebody going to write into the show? (laughs) I don't know about you, Rachel, but that's what I do all day. I mean, yeah. What else would I be doing? (laughs) Right. Yeah. But anyway, do you know what time it is? Is it time for Lost in Translation? Lost in Translation! This week, we have a Lost in Translation moment from Emily in Arkansas. So let's give it a listen. Hi, I'm Emily. A few years ago, I was studying in Taiwan, and I was living in a pretty remote neighborhood that was a few miles outside of Taipei. I had chosen to live there specifically so I could have a more local and immersive experience. So one of the neighborhood ladies had kind of taken me under her wing, and every day as I walked past her house, she would come outside and ask me how my day was and check in on how things were going at school. And so over time, I felt like we were building a relationship, and she kept asking me to come over for dinner, right? And I pushed the can down the road and politely found excuses not to go and eventually guilt got the better of me and I decided I really needed to be nice to this woman who had been so kind to me for all those months that I had been living in her hood. So I agreed to come to dinner and the time rolls around and with my limited Chinese at the time I I keep getting weirder and weirder instructions like Can you eat vegetarian? Yeah, sure, no problem. Could you eat vegetarian for the two days leading up to our dinner? And I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. I was vegetarian. I've been vegetarian. It's no problem. No problem. So, you know, these these weird comments keep coming up, but I don't really think anything of it, right? Assuming that it's it's some miscommunication or maybe she just wants to take me out for an exemplarily, you know, huge meal. So... I meet up with this neighbor at what I thought was going to be a restaurant and the first thing that was kind of off about the dinner was that it was at someone's house. I was greeted by my neighbor at the door but it was like a seven-story walk-up where we come in and there are bunches of other people who are all wearing the exact same clothing and everyone is sharing a communal meal scattered around this home that's entirely vegetarian and I'm talking to a few of the people there who speak better English and they started explaining to me that yeah there's this religion they're all a part of where if you take part in a particular ceremony you get your name entered into a book that helps you go to heaven and that was when I realized that I had ended up at a Taiwanese cult meeting. Wow. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, casually just. But don't we all get invited to, you know, something that turns out to be something different than what you thought? Yeah. I mean, especially when you're in another culture, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind Mm -hmm. of similar, except for like amped up a lot. But it's kind of similar to like when missionaries come up to you and try to get you to do something. Yeah. That happened in Korea a lot. Oh, you got a lot of missionaries in Korea. Yeah. Were they foreigners or Koreans? Koreans. 
Maybe not missionaries, yeah. but just people trying to recruit to the church. Wow, yeah. I remember once I was going to the airport with my friends. It was like four in the morning or something. We were taking a flight. And there was this guy, this like old Korean man. And he came up to us and he picked up my friend. And he was like, do you believe in Jesus Christ and, like, all of this stuff? And she was just like, I don't know. And then he asked for her name. She gave, like, some fake name, and he was like, you're going to hell. What? We're like, it's, like, four in the morning. We just, like, want to be asleep, so. Yeah, that's really weird. Get to the airport. Not okay. Yeah, so Especially weird. that early. Yeah, but that's so funny that, like, the woman was plotting this for, like, a really long time, it sounds like. It sounds like it. she was, like, getting ready for Emily's conversion. She said that afterward, she was like, no, I'm going to leave before this escalates, you know? Like, she could have just written her name yeah. and then left. But it's good yeah. that you set your boundaries. I don't know what I would have done. I might have just, like, felt too awkward and just done it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably would have too kind of like your Marrakesh story. Exactly. <laughs> like <laughs> like okay. <laughs> Here's my money, I guess. I guess I'll go to your heaven. <laughs> I guess I guess I'm going to heaven with all of these people I just met. Or to their planet or something. Uh, well thank you so much, Emily, for giving yeah. us that awesome translation moment. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah. I totally feel your pain. <laughs> so, well, you can send us your Lost in Translation moment on our website via our voice recorder or send us a voice memo. Our email address is languagenerdstoearth at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get your episodes when they're hot, 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 fresh out the oven. <laughs> and yeah, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. Yeah. And make sure to leave us a review on iTunes so that more and more people find us. The reviews help us stay visible, and they also make us happy. So yeah. don't you want that? And thank you so much to everyone who's already left a review. It means a lot. Yes. A million thank yous to those people. Make sure you tell your friends about it if you enjoy the podcast as well. I did hear from somebody who told her friend about it in Panama. Shout out to Caroline, who also submitted the language news this week. <laughs> so thanks for telling your friends about the podcast, Caroline. Our next episode is going to be real fun. Yeah. It's about cultural superstitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute to that by the end of the weekend, just let us know. Yeah. So I think that's it for this week, everybody. Have a good one. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.